Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Corinne Bursa here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing today? Pretty good, all things considered. Weather's all beautiful, things- chief stink, uh, but <laughs> we're over that. As I, okay. told, as I told somebody sure? yesterday, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> you can't win them all, but we can still win 16, so. The Chiefs will be just fine, undoubtedly. And uh, Corinne Bursa, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. It's good to be here with you guys. You as yeah, well. Likewise. You as well. Welcome. Hope you uh, both had wonderful uh, weekends. Uh, but hey, just remind everybody, today is a supply chain buzz where we see some we share, talk about, um, give our take on some of the leading stories across global business. So we're going to be discussing a wide variety of topics. And Greg and Corinne, yes. we've got a special guest joining us around 12.25 p.m. Eastern time. That would be Mr. James Malley with Pacurate. So stay tuned there. Yeah. Um, so y- y'all notice there, I didn't wait for a nice smooth segue. I wanted to knock that out because I wanted to celebrate something. Before we gave some shout outs, I wanted to celebrate some recognition that came out. Uh, I, th- I believe last week, in the last 10 days or so. What is it, Corinne, <laughs> Corinne was recognized with another Women in Supply Chain Award for 2022 from our friends at Supply and Demand Chain Executive. Corinne, congratulations yeah. from all of us here. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And thank you to the entire Supply Chain Now team for all you do to elevate supply chain, all things supply chain for all of us, but to give voice to so many women because there were a number of women on this year's list that have been guests on Supply Chain Now. So that's exciting as well. That is outstanding, uh, richly deserved, and congrats again. The hits keep on coming. And yeah. Y'all notice there, I tried to, uh, Corinne and Greg, I tried to uh, put Corinne on the rock and roll stage there. Y'all see <laughs> I see that. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, just just look at her. Just look at her backdrop versus ours, Scott. She always right uplifts our identity <laughs> at all times. So that's right. That is right. Well, Greg, uh, your thoughts there, and Corinne, I appreciate that. We we do work hard here to uh, uplift voices from all walks of life. It's very important to us. It's in our, in our mo. We've invested in a variety of of uh, programs and properties and series to make that happen. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on Corinne's accomplishment there? Yeah, well, I mean, a long time coming. Uh, Corinne and I had a little exchange this weekend about how long we've been in supply chain, of course, and she's been in it every bit of every moment that that both you and I have, Scott. So, uh, yeah, I think a long time coming, but I, I think what's important is that we're doing it now, right? That it's necessary um, is is a good and kind of a flashback to the old days, right? That right. I think we need to, we need to fix, but look, um, Corinne and a lot, every one of the ladies that was, that was identified in that, uh, list have done so much for supply chain to uplift, add points of view. I mean, honestly do the same work that anyone else has done. Right. And, and, 
you know, kind of come through sometimes when it wasn't as easy to participate. Let's face it, right? There were a, a lot of a lot of people with their name on their shirt that uh, were not as big a fan of this kind of progression as possible. So, you know, mm. as, as has happened. So, I'm glad that it's happened, and it's uh, it's to the benefit of of the practice of the every practitioner, and you know, and certainly well deserved. Agreed, uh, Corinne. So, congrats. I uh, look forward to uh, more. The hits keep on coming. So looking forward to a lot more and a uh, big high five from your team, your family here at Supply Yeah, we should Chain just out. plan. I, I Seriously, we should just plan on doing this every, once a year, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> just going to assume from here on out, Corinne, that, you know, you'll, you'll be on the list. Do they have rankings? I wonder. <laughs> 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 we'll advocate to move you up. <laughs> two to one or wherever you link. <laughs> Corinne, I'll give you the final word. And then we're going to say hello to a few folks. No, thank you um, for the words of encouragement and support. Uh, I really appreciate it. Personally, I look forward to the day when we don't have to talk about gender, when we are just rewarding the brains and passion and capabilities, whatever the packaging looks like, Amen. whatever color it is, whatever gender it is, um, that it's just pure recognition of the value that supply chain experts bring to every business. Well said. A hundred percent agree. Wait, wait till there's just a list of the top persons in, in supply chain, right? Yep. We'll get there. Um, One step all right. Closer. One step closer. That's right. That's right. Okay. So Greg and Corinne, we've got a jam packed show here today on supply chain buzz, which hit, hits, uh, social media every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. I mentioned we got James Malley uh, with Packard joining us here in about 20 minutes. Let's say hello to a few folks. Some of our faves are with us as always. Uh, Shelly Phillips is back with us. Good morning from Colorado. The Aspen, ha the Aspen Mountains, I'm, I'm assuming, have started trees. to change. The trees. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. They yeah, turn, uh, Aspen trees. Yeah. Yeah. They turn beautiful. a beautiful yellow and gold and, and orange color. Pictures, See, I, please, Shelly, or as you okay. know, it didn't happen. Um, so I learned something new here. See, uh, uh, up till this point, everything I learned about Aspen all came from Dumb and Dumber, the movie. So, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you're thinking of the town, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also well, beautiful. Shelly, this time. That's right. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Dr. Rhonda, it's great to have, have you here today. Uh, so thankful to be here today. She says, here's to another week of learning from one another. Three, two, one. Let's go. Hey, uh, Dr. Rhonda, also love Work Life 360, the podcast. So keep up the great work there. Uh, Chantel is with us here today as always. Big thanks to Chantel, Amanda, and Catherine for helping to make production happen here today. As I mentioned, Catherine, happy Monday, buzz day to everybody. Uh, let's I'm see glad here. Somebody said buzz day, right? You're right. It's, it's got to be said. It's got to right. be said. It does now, right? Abdul Razik. Hello to you via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Uh, let us know where you're tuned in from. Nathan. Hey, Tom Rafter is with us here today from Seville in the mm. sunny south of Spain. Now, Corinne, I think you and Tom had gotten together on his podcast at some point, right? We have, absolutely. The, the man in supply chain with more fedora hats than anyone else I know. And always a great perspective as well. So it's good to have you with us, Tom. I guess That's I right. didn't realize there were multiples. That's interesting. <laughs> Well, Tom, Tom, keep grinding the hits out, uh, doing good work with you, with all of your podcasts. So great to have you here today, uh, Nathan. Hey, we're looking forward to uh, sharing some knowledge and le learning from all of y'all in the cheap seats as well. 
let's see. Uh, and I'm also going to Gene Pledger is with us here today. LGP. Good morning, everybody. Congrats, Corinne. And Rain, uh, Renee is with us and Glormar is with us. So great to have everybody in the house. Okay. So Corinne and Greg, yes, we have Scott. got a lot, a lot of news to get through, a lot of, a lot of big voices to get through, get all of y'all's take. Uh, are y'all ready to get started? I'm ready. Well, then with are you waiting no, for an answer from me? Just go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we know Greg is always ready. So. Ever, he's like the battery, ever ready, uh, is one Greg, Greg White. Okay. So I want to start today's buzz discussion with news out of Ford Motor Company. Now, there's been no shortage of Ford news lately, and most of it has not been great news, uh, very frankly. The automaker has announced that it plans to restructure its C-suite, and it's currently looking for a global chief supply chain officer. Amongst other things, Ford is looking to overhaul operations after supplier costs have, have run wild. Kind of like uh, Hulkamania used to run wild over its opponents, um, even while experiencing tons of parts shortages in recent months. So, Greg, I, I want to go to you first here because one of your very popular supply chain commentaries kind of focused on this last week. So, tell us uh, tell us more about this Ford story here. Uh, what a stunner! Um, you know, the, I think when I wrote that commentary, that the first thing that immediately came to mind, and you know how that is with me, I just spilled it. Um, is how does the company who literally, literally invented vertically integrated supply chain not have a global supply chain officer, right? Chief supply chain officer. Uh, I, it's just a stunner to me, um, and it's a problem, and the problems are manifest at Ford, of course. This is the company that ran out of blue ovals to put on their trucks. Um, Corinne, right. you know, we, we recognize that from a different article. Corinne and I shared some thoughts over the, over the weekend on that. Imagine a generic pickup that looks like a Ford driving down the road because the manufacturer who owns the trademark cannot put their trademark on their own product. Not to mention that um, somebody, somebody in the commentary, genius, oh, it was uh, Mark Morley, said they may need a chief vehicle storage officer because they got 40,000 incomplete vehicle, 45,000 incomplete vehicles that they can't ship because they don't have all the parts. Uh, you know, another comment was from another Scott, Scott, Scott Dustin, who said, how many, how many parts does it take to complete a Ford truck? All of them. <laughs> i love it i just thought that was absolute genius but hey look we're pounding on ford pretty good it's not unique to ford and that's part of what i go into in the article um i think the pro production folks have dropped a, a link in there here is what has led to that two primary words one is margin and by margin i mean gross and net margin gross is in capital letters when you're talking about manufacturers and it is indeed gross to everyone else in the supply chain because it is routine for manufacturers to make 50% plus gross margins and 10 to 20% net margins. And that's after taxes. That's, that's no qualifiers. That's earnings. No B I T D or A after that, just earnings. And by contrast, retailers and distributors make anywhere from zero or in some cases and in some industries less than zero net margins where, where some distributors have to trick the supply chain by forward buying inventory ahead of price increases. Price increases in, installed by who? 
you guessed it, the manufacturers. Um, and, you know, so they, they're anywhere from like negative 1% to 5% in a good or average year. So the, you know, the argument is that supply, supply chain at manufacturing, they've had a lot of opportunity to have slack and less efficiency in their supply chains because their margins are so big. But now there's nowhere to hide. So nowhere to hide. everyone knows that it's Ford's fault that they can't get blue ovals, regardless of who, what vendor they blame it on. How do you, right. I mean, uh, the most obvious of all parts, how do you, I, I'm just dumbfounded. By that. <laughs> well, Hey, really quick. And Corinne, I'm, I'm, I'm headed to you next, but uh, Mark Morley and uh, Scott Marks, one of our faves, right? He's been with us on a couple of different shows. Hope you and the family are well. Y'all keep the comments coming as much as I love Greg White's take on these supply yeah, chain commentaries. I love the comments. All right, Corinne Bursa, uh, your take on what's going on at Ford. Well, Greg is right. He and I got really fired up about this. And the um, the fact that the oval, the Ford oval, which nobody else is competing for, <laughs> is out of stock is just a brain scratcher for me. But my takeaway from this is, you know, the automotive sector really moved a lot of progressive techniques forward 25 years ago, when we looked at lean and just in time and the Toyota production system, and they put so much pressure on their suppliers that many of those suppliers located their factories right next door to an assembly plant. So it's a little ridiculous that they didn't have visibility that their blue oval with the word Ford on it for their market leading F uh, series trucks and highest right. margin, right? And highest margin. Absolutely. So my takeaway from this is supply chain deserves a seat at the C-suite table and it's time to move over and pull up another chair. So whether you're Ford or you're an emerging business, make sure that your supply chain leader is part of every one of those discussions on innovation, on new market penetration, all of the branding, et cetera, <laughs> because the time is now. Amen, and, sister. Preach it. <laughs> it's just oh my <laughs> Well, it's really interesting because this has been, you know, we, we've been adding chief supply chain officer for several years now. It's no longer a trend. It's, it's, it's table stakes. Well, what's interesting as well Beyond Meat Incorporated, y'all have heard of this company, yep. right? Yep. Uh, it's been in the news for other executive reasons, very, very strange reasons, which I'm going to leave that. Y'all can Google that. But Beyond Meat over the weekend, their chief supply chain officer, Bernie Adcock, is leaving at the end of the month. And the company has decided to do away with the role. What? So that, yes. So it's really interesting. Some of the moves are being made out there, but uh, it is Corinne, back to your point, the automotive industry has led in many ways uh, a lot of innovation and a lot of how business should be done some time ago. And it's good to see Ford, you know, um, hire some supply chain talent, some leadership talent, and let's uh, let's find a way to move forward. Um, okay. So uh, we're going to leave that story for there for now because we've got a big topic to talk about next, equally even bigger than the first one. And that's beer. Let me just mention that. <laughs> beer. Beer on Mondays. So say it ain't so. According to our friends at USA Today, some folks are projecting that one of the next shortages, you know, of course, think some of the things we hope to never mention again, toilet paper and, and computer chips and the like. But one of the next shortages that we could be dealing with is a shortage of beer. Now, Greg and Corinne get this. 
Beer makers of all sizes are dealing with what the rest of us are dealing with, right? Inflation. Mm -hmm. But some breweries are having a hard time getting carbon dioxide, which you may not know, is used to clean production tanks. And it's also used, of course, to give us our bubbles in our, in our glass of beer, to carbonate the beer. Aluminum can availability has also been an issue for going back months now. And, of course, prices on everything, inflation and other reasons, from CO2 to malted barley, even the shipping is all up. So we may see this impact consumer choices in the grocery aisle. In fact, one person from our friends at USA Today who uh, put this article together mentioned that they're making as much beer as they were pre-pandemic, but the margins are so much different. Um, so, Corinne, I'll start with you in this case. Yeah. Your so, take on what we're seeing from a beer standpoint. So, remember that beer has a freshness element to it. So, it has a shelf life associated with it. So, you can't make it too far in advance um, and then plan to have it on the shelf for you know a reasonable period of time. Um, but to me, this is just another teaching moment. So if you weren't hit by the toilet paper, if that didn't teach you a thing or two about supply chain, maybe what's in the, you know, in the beer chest is going to do that for you at this point in time. But, uh, you know, this is peak season. We got baseball season, football season going on. There's a lot of beer consumption that normally happens right now. So uh, even people who aren't normally aware are going to be feeling the impact and right. you know households are struggling with with inflation as well right so the average household i think the last stat i heard is that their household expenses are up 400 to 500 dollars per month i believe it i that's believe it's five to six grand a year yes. yes corinne and greg i popped in the grocery store saturday morning and um, uh, amongst the things on my grocery list were uh, a glass of uh, pickles over four and a half bucks for, for a jar of pickles. How much were and they Greg. before? I wonder. Uh, about two ninety nine. What? Yeah. Two seventy. Yeah. Yeah. We we eat a lot of pickles here. But still, that's house over hundred percent inflation. Right. It's unbelievable. Um, but Greg, let's talk. That's I, like I know Argentina. That you don't, <laughs> I know Greg that you don't indulge in in any beer or adult beverages. So this might be a foreign subject for you. But uh, your take on the potential beer shortage. Yeah, you'll have to forgive me on two counts, one for the pun and two um, for what I'm about to say. And that is, you won't find me crying in my beer over the margins that beer manufacturers, remember that thing we talked about in terms of gross margin, uh, are facing. My my Now, uh, obviously, that's impacting all of us. And, um, you know, not at the rate, apparently, of pickles or eggs. Eggs, the, I mean, the amount that you pay for eggs yeah. now is just stellar. Um, <laughs> but but um, I, I think what's important for us to hope for is that maybe, maybe this will shift the trend in beer. I, my hope is that hops go up tremendously and people will stop mm. making that awful, awful tasting IPA and go back to lagers and stouts and pilsners and beer that actually tastes good. Because I think we all know the dirty little secret that practically nobody likes an, an IPA. It just gets you drunk faster. So, <laughs> man, uh, we're getting into beer analysis uh, here today, uh, Greg. I, I, also, all kinds I of mean, things. truthfully, the the you know there's you pay a premium for IPAs, so the you know the fewer hops you have in a product, tr truthfully, you can't actually generate margins. I, I don't know how people feel about IPAs but I sure know how I do. 
<laughs> well, we'll keep our finger on the pulse uh, of the beer market for sure. And as Corinne pointed out, between football and baseball postseason and, and the holidays, I mean, tis the season for sure. Yep. Let's take a couple comments, uh, Greg and Corinne. Uh, Amanda says, uh, the grocery prices are truly getting out of hand. We're having to make some major adjustments in our shopping. If there's a wine shortage, we might have to riot. <laughs> Truth. Peacefully protest. Amen. <laughs> uh, Dr. Rhonda says, holy pickles, uh, <laughs> eggs, five bucks for a carton of 12. Goodness gracious. Uh, Tom says, wow. oh, he's having an issue with the video. Uh, Tom, reload it, and we'll check with the production team there. Um, he's Gene in, says, he's, he's, on the, he's on the Spanish coast. He's not having a problem with anything. <laughs> right? Life is good. Check Life in is later. good in Seville. Have a beer, uh, Gene, Tom. <laughs> Gene says, I would pay double that for my pickles. Hey, Gene, I'm with you. I am with you for sure. Uh, and Shelly adds ball cans, right? Ball, big aluminum oh, yeah. uh, provider. Stop doing orders under a million. How about that? Did they really? A million under dollars a million or a million units? units? I wonder. That's Greg, a good point. You and I, same, same thing. <laughs> so, Shelly, I uh, would love to well, if you clarify planning, there. Right? <laughs> That's right. Cans or dollars. Uh, Glormar says, Oh my goodness, I'm going broke with the protein egg eaters in this house. Oh goodness, the pain. So continues you know the there. pandemic trend of buying your own chickens, right? Mm. Might not be a bad one to consider. Okay. So if your neighborhood allows tip. it, which mine doesn't, by the way. Uh Greg and Corinne, lots of good tips there. Lots of good tips. But hey, <laughs> well, they're tips. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's any good. <laughs> from from Ford's from Ford. Supply chain challenges and moves. And by the way, ask and we shall units uh, receive. Shelly says units, so a million cans. That is remarkable. Whoa. Um, okay. So Greg and Corinne, uh, we're getting we're getting a jump here. I'm surprised that we are all as succinct as we were talking about uh, cars and beer. Oh, we can go back to it if you want. Corinne, yeah. go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> The thing on Ford that we need to keep in mind is that they're going through a product portfolio transition, and that's going to increase their costs and their complexity as they move more and more electric vehicles into the marketplace. Um, and so, you know, there's like a land grab happening for raw materials for the batteries that are capable of moving these vehicles yep. in the marketplace. So we haven't heard the end of rising costs from a supply side in the automotive sector. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, okay. So thank you, uh, Corinne, for circling back. And by the way, uh, oil went, uh, oil barrels went below oh. $80 a barrel for the first time all year. And it's like, no one's paying attention. It's crazy. 44. Uh, I'm just 44. It, I'm just tossing it out there. Oh, that's the target price you're saying. Uh, OPEC will up production until it gets to 44. They're going to break the back of American and other producers and, so that they can then overtake the market yet again. Wow. Okay. All right. That is good stuff, Greg and Corinne. I'm probably um, wrong, folks, but I said it, didn't I? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna circle this. We're gonna timestamp it and come back to you in about six months. Uh, but hey, we're gonna bring our guests in in just a second. But really quick, I want to you know something came up Friday on our on our call or huddle, uh, and I touched on it on the business buzz we dropped today uh, on, on the Supply Chain Now podcast channel in my faith and humanity segment. I usually add in those things. And I want to give a shout out to the Dave Krejci Foundation. We're not going to do the full story justice here Gosh, today. But yes. you know, if you if you believe and you love a good do-good moment like we do here, 
uh, Osborne High School, which to based on the records I could find, it's been around for quite some time. Yeah. But they have not had a winning season since 2004, at least in the records I could find. It may go, it may predate that quite a bit. Um, well, this year, beyond the the um, the um, challenges associated with any football season, well, equipment was a challenge because evidently in high school football they have re have added new regulations in terms of a, how um, the safety rules when it comes to helmets, and so high schools had um, many high schools had to reinvest in new helmets. Well, that's three hundred bucks a pop per helmet, and Osborne High School did not have the funds. Well, that gum. Dave Crazy Foundation, several other organizations got together and they purchased those helmets for them. And so fast forward to now, I think they're five weeks into their season. I'm proud to share with you both, Greg and Corinne, all of our listeners, that the Cardinals, the fighting Cardinals of Osborne High School, are five and oh. <laughs> so so but, and you looking know, good. They really are. So that is a wonderful story. Uh, a bit such a big fan of Dave. The Dave Krejci Foundation and there's other groups that stepped up and really saw a problem and and fixed it. So big shout out to um, Allison and Donna, uh, Allison Krejci Giddens and, and Donna Krejci here and the great work they're doing. Y'all check it out at DaveKrejci.com. I think it's a URL. Um, uh, okay. Org? Greg? I think it's org. Well, I thought it was org too. Oh, and then not. as I was recording on Sunday, DaveKrejci.com. So maybe they have. Uh, How did they get but, that? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Amanda, Chantel, and or Catherine, if y'all could Google that and drop the link to their foundation in the comment, in the chat, that would be wonderful. I, I, I think we can all thank the, the Krejci Foundation and, and whoever else might have contributed to that for literally delivering one of the best football programs in in Cobb County, right, in the, in the mm. Atlanta area. So, I mean, th- that's how critical this kind of initiative is. I mean, those clearly are some of the best football players in the area and some of them may not have gotten to play. That's right. I mean, and and not to mention what they, it does for these youngsters who get to play, but also what it does for a community, for a school. I'm excited. And my daughters all went to one of their rivals. So, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's just, that is just some wonderful good news. Uh, You know, folks that roll up their sleeves and helping out, uh, folks in need. So I love that. And Greg, uh, is completely echo your comments there. Um, all right, two quick comments, and then we're going to bring in James Malley. Uh, going back to the Ford story, Catherine says, I've been attempting to test drive their newer Ford Bronco model, but no dealerships near me have them in stock. That's been a common challenge for sure. Marie Hurst, great to see you, Marie. On the poultry front, uh, Marie says, eggs and chicken meat, avian influenza cases have been high and are currently uh, high in 40 states, another factor influencing those commodities. Excellent point there. Um, okay. So, Greg and Corinne, and this Jane, uh, this jam-packed, it's going to be James-packed episode. It is going to be James-packed. You're right. <laughs> right. Literally. Think about what you just said, James-packed. <laughs> I want to, uh, I'll tell you what, it's Mondays. Uh, I want to introduce one of our favorite guests here, James Malley, CEO at Packurate. James Malley, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm I'm really excited to be back. So thanks for having me. Well, I tell you, uh, Greg and Corinne, the the hits keep on coming out of the Packard team and family, and uh, there's so much to celebrate. We're not going to have time to, to to catch up our audience on everything, uh, but welcome back and looking forward to diving into the news and and uh, pack simulate here in just a few minutes. But before we get there, Greg, Corinne, and James, a little fun warm up question with our friend James Malley here. 
It is National Pancake Day, folks. National Pancake Day. Um, so the, the hot button question for you, James, you're, you're going to be the leadoff hitter here, is Waffle House or IHOP? If you had to pick one and commit to it, which one would you pick? This is going to be a very divisive uh, answer, no matter what I think. That's why we bring was you a on, time, James. <laughs> there was a time in my early 20s when uh, I could stay up past 10 p.m. Um, it was a miraculous uh, time. I lived in L.A., and we would go bar hopping all night and show up at Waffle House at like 3.30 um, <laughs> and be like, all right, we could stay here for another hour and a half. <laughs> Uh, that, that time is long gone, but just for the memories alone, uh, Waffle House. Oh, you're, you're singing our song, James. I love that. Uh, Corinne, let's go to you next. Waffle House or IHOP? I'm going to have to go Waffle House. Okay. It's just that simple. I'm with you. It's just that simple. Um, you know, they've got, you know, great quick eggs, great service, um, a cast of characters that'll keep you entertained. And, you know, it's like... (laughs) like a meal and a show all at once. I love it. I agree with you. Chantel agrees with you as well. All right. So Greg, cleanup hitter, Waffle House or IHOP? I have to go IHOP. I was not brought up on Waffle House. Um, And honestly, even having lived in the South for 25 years, I have probably been to Waffle House less than 10 times. So my daughters all love it. Both hopefully sober and in their college days. I don't think you need to say more than that. Um, <laughs> just like James. Yeah. James just, just put like it James. out there and kept going. Yeah. Um, but uh, particularly one thing at Waffle House, they do this kind of cinnamon roll pancake thing that, oh my gosh. It's it's like Cinnabon and, and pancakes at the same time, and I just can't imagine anything better than that. I'm sorry, gang. I know. I've let you down. You let... You let me down. Uh, I wonder if the time I took you to Waffle House is the last time you had been to one, it is. Uh, Greg, after. Okay. It is, but that wasn't long ago, was it? That was Memorial Day, right? That's right. Uh, Dr. Rhonda is a big IHOP fan as well. She says, I've never eaten at a Waffle House. Goodness, I seem to be missing out. You are missing out. And let me tell you all, when you visit Beyond the Waffles, the patty melt plate on wheat, because you're saving a couple calories there, that's the jam to invest in. Okay. Also, the people, Um, to Corinne's point. It is fascinating. You know, they're lit up all night, so you don't even have to go in to kind of see. They don't have curtains or anything, so you just drive by and you're like, not going in that one today. And, <laughs> and by the way, well, if Kid remember- Rock is ever in a Waffle House, there will be a fight. So just <laughs> steer clear if you see Kid Rock, especially in an Atlanta Waffle House. Well, what Hey, whatever y'all do, just make sure you generously tip your servers. Exactly. Right? Generously yep. tip your servers. Okay. Um, so much to get to, so little time uh, with James Malley from Packard. Uh, the first story we're going to dive in as we get down to business, uh, James, Corinne, and Greg, is this one. Uh, we uh, Climate reporting is about to change dramatically, it seems. So the Environmental Protection Agency has secured funding to better scrutinize companies' pledges and commitments to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And, in a little one-two punch here, the Securities and Exchange Commission is very close to completing a new set of rules for public company reporting on overall climate goals. So, uh, James, tell us more here. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's not a surprise, uh, even if it may feel like kind of a shock. Uh, it's been kind of a long time coming. Um, I think if, you know, if you've been following the news and only reading the headlines on this uh, over the past couple of years, you'd think this is like a 
you know, Biden administration starting to crack down on industry. Um, but I, what I think is fascinating is, you know, this is really bigger than any single administration because of the pressures coming from the investors uh, right. and the industry organizations that have been pushing this for this uh, for quite a while. Um, and so a lot of the investors want, you know, to the to the meat of the article, they want the SEC to get real clear about this because they just want to they want to do the right thing, but they want to make it easy. So they want the SEC to have these guidelines in place. Um, but there's some challenges there. The SEC is kind of mildly defanged uh, because of re- recent uh, court decisions. Um, and the EPA ends up at the moment being kind of better positioned uh, to write some of the rules around this. So it'll, if they can figure it out and do it in a well-coordinated way where SEC, EPA, making it clear not too uh, you know, horribly confusing, um, I call it a win. I'm with you. And I, I love what the, some things you mentioned there because some folks may assume it's just a government push, but consumers, investors, and the government all. Uh, Greg, uh, your thoughts here. Yeah. So um, Eileen Murray, who is the chair of FINRA, the uh, Association for Professional Financial Advisors and that sort of thing, is a uh, she is an ESG hawk. And um, she helped construct some of what uh, the SEC has come up with and is strongly encouraging, you know, that means strongly encouraging <laughs> financial <laughs> advisors and financial firms to be responsible to this. And I think, you know, one thing that is often overlooked, there is a lot of controversy about whether ESG is a good thing for investors. I, I think there, you know, there are extremes in in everything. But the truth is, I mean, to to the point of what James does, if you can put more stuff in a box, right, use fewer boxes and optimize your shipping, by the way, that's something that companies have been trying to do for their inbound shipments forever, right? Truckload quantities and things like that are you know, they've tried to not ship air, right? We talk a lot about that. There is not necessarily a zero-sum game between ESG initiatives and um, and optimizing your company for profitability. In fact, I think there is a tremendous amount to be gained from things like packing more efficiently or um, using lower carbon routes or lower carbon, um, you know, equipment and that sort of thing. Because guess what? Carbon costs money. Right. The, the product, you know, the fuels that create carbon, they cost big bucks. Right. So if we can create efficiency and by efficiency, I mean speed and reliability in the supply chain and we can reduce inefficiency from a from an environmental standpoint, then why would we not do that? I think lots of companies for the saving of cost have been accidental environmentalists, as I call them right? They don't want to spend money on fuel. You don't spend money on fuel. You burn less fuel and therefore put less carbon into the atmosphere. So what's the harm? I think you have to balance it, of course, but I think there's a lot of of synergy between this initiative and cost saving and and efficiency in supply chain. Well said, Greg. Uh, Corinne Bursa. So I I think that this is going to give ESG initiatives a little more teeth. I, I think it's going to drive investment. But I also agree with um, with Greg's comment that now we need the ability, or I'm going to take it a step f- further, your supply chain planning systems should consider your green KPIs or your energy KPIs as a part 
of the plan and allow a business to make some very intelligent and insightful investments, whether it's in transport or production or raw material or waste um, that, uh, that needs to be addressed for the business. So you should look at expanding the key performance metrics that you're using to include things like carbon and waste in the marketplace. Yeah, love well it. said, Corinne. Yep. I mean, predominantly cost has been the KPI for supply chain. I would argue that there are now four pillars to supply chain and you can break these down. Believe me, I've had this discussion a lot, a lot of ways. It's speed, reliability, cost, and um, ESG, right? Ethics, horsemen. ethics, as I as I call it, because all of those things are important to your business and or your constituency, which accrues to your brand equity, which Corinne pointed out. Corinne, you pointed out a lot of stuff this weekend. I just realized is really important. That's really what supply chain delivers: is brand reputation and brand equity. So. Well said. Uh, the four horsemen. We've got to figure out which one's Ole and which one's Arn Anderson. We'll see. Uh, James Malley. I'll give, <laughs> I'll give you a little wrestling reference there. Ah. Uh, I'll give you the final word here uh, as we're talking about how visibility into really bottom line results is about to change. Your final word, James. Uh, well, I think to to Greg's point, the you know particularly in in parcel shipping, but in a lot of supply chain, when something's more expensive, it's also more polluting. You know, overnight, uh, things going in a plane, it's more polluting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the the organizations that haven't really, like, taken a good look at what scope three emissions right. are, mm. um, these are emissions that are reported widely in, in most of Europe. Um, but in the U.S., it's kind of like a, oh, not our problem because it happens outside our four walls. Uh, that's where the, the low-hanging fruit, you know, there's just so much money and emissions, low-hanging fruit there to get rid of with just some simple initiatives. Well said, uh, James, Greg, and Corinne. Let's move right along because uh, another big news story that came out here lately, FedEx has been in the news for you know eight days or so, uh, at least with this latest announcement, as they uh, announced a big shipping rate increases, averaging 6.9% starting in January 2023, while they're also uh, initiating some cost-cutting measures, uh, measures by some accounts that may be looking to find up to $8 billion in cash savings. How about that? But check out this headline uh, from our friends at investing.com. FedEx drives its turnaround into the ditch. Okay, James, tell us a whole lot more. Uh, well, I spent the, the weekend reading, you know, kind of like thought leaders in our space, really piling on FedEx uh, with some really brutal uh, takes here. I, I certainly think there's some there's some blame uh, with FedEx leadership. I, I think it also has to do with the global economy and, and everything that's going on in the world. The truth is is somewhere in in betwixt. Yep. Um, I'm I'm curious about uh, Greg's spicy take on this. Uh, I hope it's spicier than his take on IPAs. Um, <laughs> But but basically, I mean, the the biggest problem, really, uh, at least to the the point of the article, is that their expectations seem to be completely divorced from reality. And, uh, you know, the writer is really having a hard time understanding how that could be that gap could be so massive that they wouldn't know what's going on, um, uh, how bad the situation is. Um, And I I think if there's anything that can be done, um, you know, cost cutting is the way you get the stock back up. But to kind of rebuild 
uh, particularly on the parcel, you know, the e-commerce side. Um, when I talk to large retailers, they love FedEx because um, FedEx, you know, will work in kind of a collaborative way with them and say, okay, you know, these costs are coming, but we'll send in some engineers and help and we'll make this kind of like a joint project where we figure out how to keep costs low, keep our costs and your costs low. Um, I think if they can figure out a way to turn that into a model, bring it downstream a little bit so the bulk of their customers um, get that kind of same feeling of collaboration and it's not this constant, you know, uh, butting heads thing, I think they could build a really, really strong service and company for the next few years. Agreed. Agreed. And some of those things, they're pausing Sunday deliveries. They're grounding some of the uh, uh, the airplanes and a few others. So we'll see as it rolls out. Corinne, I want to get your take here on what FedEx is up to. Yeah. So I, I would say that this is another Winston Churchill moment where we don't want to waste a, uh, a, a crisis. They need to make some pretty significant uh, transformations. Um, first, though, I would like to thank FedEx for not putting their price increase until after the holiday season. So um, there's there's one silver lining, I guess, right. in that. But um, but at the same time, no publicly held company likes to make an announcement like this where they're lowering their earnings expectations, and and that concerns me with the magnitude that they lowered their earning expectations. Mm-hmm. That there could be more difficult months. Um, and bad news ahead for FedEx. Meanwhile, UPS is enjoying double-digit increases um, in, in their business. So, um, so it, it's time for FedEx to to really look at their process overall and maybe focusing some of that efficiency and innovation back on their business. Mm. What's up, Corinne? Uh, Greg White, buckle up, y'all. Um, FedEx is one of the most classically mismanaged companies in all of supply chain and has been for nearly a decade now. They are, I'm frankly surprised that they're still around independently because Scott, you and I talked two or three years ago about the fact that they were the laggard of all of the parcel logistics supply chain carriers out there. By the way, we're going to find out if Tevin Taylor is listening. That's right. right about now. <laughs> Love you, Tevin. Love um, you, Tevin. Promise. Um, yeah, and I hope your management does you better service in the future. But um, not only did they drive their own turnaround into the ditch, but Thursday when they announced this, they were credited by the the um, the financial press as as the reason that the market dropped f- almost five percent that that day. That's the kind of impact that poor management, and particularly this company, which has such a broad reach, can have on others, because. Thankfully, yes, they did. Um, they did delay the the discussion around or the the implementation of their price increases till after after peak season. But don't think companies won't adjust because of that. We'll still feel the pain because they're going to have to get in front of the profit margin cut that they're going to take as they continue to ship goods to us through FedEx. Now, mm. on the other hand, to James's point. Uh, they are incredibly flexible, and that is probably part of what has made them so inefficient is that they are they do a lot of innovative or attempt a lot of innovative things, and it, that costs money. So we'll just have to see if they remain independent. Um, Sheldon Rose uh, speculates that Walmart will buy them. Sheldon is no official mm-hmm. analyst, but not a bad idea. And in fact, that was on... 
that was on one of my commentaries around around okay. FedEx uh, last week as well. And uh, interesting, the take of, you know, shouldn't Walmart stay in their lane? My argument is that Walmart has such a wide lane. You know, there are other companies doing this. Uh, American Eagle has bought a logistics provider. Other companies have bought logistics right. providers, yep. right? Because they want the stability. So we have to think about whether FedEx, I mean, we really do have to consider whether FedEx is a viable enterprise independent going forward. Now, look, this is one thing you learn in the investment game, and that is active investors will not let this company fail. They will blow the entire management team out to protect their investment. And there are a lot of, of course, institutional investors in this company. So FedEx is not going down the tubes. It may cease to be independent. It may, it may instead get new management, may get totally new management, or there are a dozen other ways that, that investors might intervene in this company to shore it up. But it, yep. it, it's, not, it's not going away. You had me at uh, Walmart and FedEx teaming up. That is intriguing. And I, I want to say about three years ago, Greg, me and you got with Kathy Morrow-Robertson. We're talking about that idea yep. three years ago. Yep. Uh, anyway, Kathy, if you're listening, love Don't what you do. Don't think Walmart is board. not watching this closely. They are unquestionably, as are others, I'm sure. Right. All right. So James Malley, betwixt Greg and Corinne. Yes, always makes I love that, candy. by the way. Uh, that was pretty spicy that's between Greg and yeah. <laughs> Betwixt and between. That's a classic uh, yes. Mark Twain reference. Uh um, all right, so James Malley, uh, so much, uh, so much intriguing news t- still taking place across global supply chain. We're just scraping really the really tip of iceberg with our chat here over the, the hour. Um, but Packard, Packard's been on quite a roll. Um, you know, pre-show we were talking about. I don't know if you can you can say it or not, so I'm going to kind of keep it vague. Uh, a well-known global technology provider. Uh, uh, y'all hit their radar, and they, they just had to learn more. And, and I think we've seen some. Uh, some news releases come out about that, but oh, do tell. you can I'm say intrigued. it. Can, so Google, Google's like, hey, we got to learn more about what Packard is doing. So they found James Malley and set him down and interviewed him up up one, up one side and down the other. And uh, that is just, that is outstanding. So James, for the two or three people, you know, you've been with us a couple different times on Supply Chain now. For the two or three people that don't know what Packard does, in a nutshell, tell, them, tell us what the company does. Sure. Uh Packurate's basically an AI platform that helps shippers figure out which cartons they should use and controls uh, exactly how they're packed in real time. So it's a, just like we were talking about before, a cost-saving exercise. It's a emissions-reducing uh, exercise and a labor efficiency kind of benefit as well. All excellent, excellent. Love that. What's that, Greg? All in one. I love that, right? I mean, that that's the perfect example that this is not a zero-sum game, so... A good good point to be here today, James. By the way, you know, the more kind of large retailers we have on board, the more proof that um, it, it's truly zero, uh, zero sum. Because um, when they save money on their parcel shipments, you think the carrier would lose money. Uh, but the data shows that's not true because uh, they can actually sh- uh, fit more shipments into trailers. So those trailers become more efficient. vastly more mm-hmm. profitable. Right. Um, so there's really nobody that loses except for maybe the styrofoam packing peanuts. <laughs> so maybe uh, if there's industry. like a really inefficient carrier out there, they should consider adding some technology like Packer. Have I mean, we been talking about I'm anybody saying. like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
so Corinne, uh, I remember us chatting about packaging long time, you know, years ago, uh, before it became a really sexy thing to talk about. Now, I, I think it's fascinating what the Packer team's up to. Your quick comment here, Corinne. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. And it's untapped. I think that they are just in the early stages of some pretty exciting innovations in efficiently and safely packing goods, but also helping to maximize the available capacity uh, for the care for the carriers. So it becomes kind of a win win situation in the way goods are moved to market. Agreed. Agreed. And, and by the way, uh, we're about to talk about Pack Simulate, but uh, Amanda and Catherine, you know, we had a webinar with James and a colleague and a member of the stored team who's also been on quite a role. If we could drop the replay link for that webinar, if folks want to take a deeper dive into what they're doing, if we can drop that in the comments, that'd be great. Um, okay. So James, let's talk about Pack Simulate. Uh, that was creating a little bit of buzz at the end of that webinar. Uh, tell us more. Sure. So, you know, when we got started, we mostly focused on the execution. So generating packing instructions in real time for the folks working in the warehouse. Um, but Pack Simulate kind of represents our first um, platform application where this is something that doesn't need to, you know, disrupt anything in the warehouse. You don't have to think about how to fit it in. It's literally just looking at historical data and our engine, our simulation engine kind of runs in the background and then tells you exactly which carton sizes to use in each of your locations based on your unique SKUs, your um, you know rate tables, uh, pretty much any cost structure you can think that might affect it. Um, so it's like really low impact, but pretty high lift. We've seen anywhere between two and 5% uh, savings on transportation, um, upwards of 10% savings on corrugate, which wow. is not, is one of, it's like, it's like pickles, Greg <laughs> or, or Scott. It's uh, that's something that's gotten extremely <laughs> expensive. Um, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Uh, so anyway, so we're really excited about pack simulate and we've been getting a, a good response so far and folks can sign up, right? They can sign up. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, they can go, and there's a little bit of a white uh, white glove uh, experience at the beginning. So you, you go to the website there, um, sign up, and we'll get in touch, and we kind of try to learn about your operation. So how many cartons can you deal with? You know, what are your item rules? Are they fragile, stackable, rolling, nesting, all these things? Um, and then basically, we'll help you measure not just you know what the cost savings of of uh, switching out your cartons, but also what are some other initiatives that you could undertake? And here's kind of a ballpark opportunity for, for savings and emissions reduction. Love that. It's just so so practical uh, and innovative. Uh, all right. It's three-dimensional Tetris is what it is. <laughs> it is. It's three-dimensional sure, Tetris, if anyone knows what Tetris is. But you also get to decide the size of the screen that you're fitting everything into, right? I mean, uh, for those of you who haven't played Tetris, it's amazing. And In the way I interpret Packurate is it's three-dimensional. Your computer basically plays Tetris for you, and you always win. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to describe it, uh, Greg. Uh, we've gotten some feedback along those lines. Uh, Corinne, your final comment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask James uh, how folks can connect with him and the Packurate team here in just a second. But, Corinne, how cool is this Pack Simulate? Oh, it's it's really cool. I mean, we've all received packages from, you know, from wherever we order our goods from that come in the box is yay big and the item is, you know, tiny. 
Um, and, and so they're shipping air and extra, you know, styrofoam or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but it's a waste. It's a waste for the carrier. That's just air that they're shipping uh, in the process. And then whoever's doing local delivery, same thing. So it's, it does have a butterfly effect or a ripple effect um, in each move uh, that those boxes take or that packaging takes. Agreed. Yeah. And it's not good for anybody. It's not good for anybody. Um, so James, so folks, obviously uh, we dropped a link to the webinar. Rick, Rick is who joined you, right, James? Rick, um, Rick Jones. Yes, Rick Jones, because we missed that opportunity to have a lot of fun with Rick James uh, in that webinar. But I'll tell you, <laughs> you didn't miss Rick, every opportunity. <laughs> you took some opportunities. Yeah. But so Rick Jones, uh, I tell you, he he and our friend from Stored brought a lot of uh, industry perspective. Been there, done that to uh, this innovative packet story. So y'all check that. We drop the link to that webinar in the chat. You can also sign up for Pack Simulate. That link is in the chat. James, how else for folks that aren't Google and you know, big names like Google, uh, how can the Scott Ludens of the world reach out and connect with you, James? Well, if um, Scott Luden has a cousin that's a really good computer programmer, Steve. you can go to uh, packurate.io and sign up for an API key and try out our service in about 10 seconds. Um, for everybody else like me and Scott, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn um, or in the comments uh, during a Supply Chain Now show. Well, uh, I love it. And, and kidding aside, uh, you're a great um, uh, fellow founder and entrepreneur, and you're changing the game. You and Packard are changing the game for the better. Uh, you're a great uh, social uh, person to follow across social. So folks, connect with one of our faves, uh, James Malley. Uh Thank you for your time here today. Uh, and James, we hope to have you back soon before you take over the world uh, before your next appearance. But uh, thanks so much for your time. James Malley, CEO of Packurate. Thanks, everybody. You bet. Thanks, James. Breath of fresh air, Greg and Corinne, when it comes to James Malley. I think that was probably his third or fourth appearance um, here on Supply Chain Now. And he's just, you know, there, there's something about, um, well, he's got a great sense of humor. But that aside, uh, what he's doing and how how much is changing the game, and he's just so matter of fact about it, Greg. I mean, what what do you think uh, when you think of James Mallon Packard? What's so special about him? Well, I mean, f- first of all, what they're doing is um, unbelievably complex and genius, and yet so simple. Go get an go get an API and hook it up, and they'll they'll show you what you need to do with your product. Secondly, I think it's something that every consumer ought to be demanding. You know, just the comments and Scott and uh, and Corinne, you know, at the beginning of this year, we all were kvetching about, you know, our embarrassing and guilt inducing stack of boxes after Christmas. Right. Um, And just the utter waste of it all. And I just think that, um, you know, what there there should be an uprising of of consumers to say, please, 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 all you all of you commerce providers do this, do it at every mm. tier, do it at every level, shipping to one another, shipping to us, of course. Right. I, I think there's a big opportunity. And honestly, I haven't talked to James about whether this is even where he would go, but I think there's a big opportunity. Corinne, you and I have been dealing with truckload quantities and shipping mm-hmm. air forever, truckloads and containers and things like that. Mm. And they could represent, right. How to not ship air at the most costly to the environment and to fuel and to companies. Um, level in in supply chain, right? Yep. Well said, uh, Corinne. Speak to that. 
Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, uh, Greg and I are on the same page. And it's interesting how every story we went through today on The Buzz um, was really interrelated, right down to this last piece about, you know, corrugated or shipping product. And that's part of the beer crisis as well, or what's driving mm-hmm. beer prices up is paperboard is one of one of the supply components that um, has increased dramatically from, from a cost perspective. So, you know, the, the savings are out there, but let's look for this efficiency and getting better leverage out of the available capacity as well, right? As we look at the green emissions and, and the ESG considerations, um, this is a great place to, to look for some low-hanging fruit pretty quickly, I think, for most businesses. Agreed. Uh, speaking to that, Glormar, we've all... Uh, she, she's got a few pictures of those big boxes with the tiny product inside. It's irritating, she says, to see such a waste. And to Greg and Corinne's point, we all have got to be demanding it as consumers that, that those practices do indeed change. And Tom, thank you for the, the feedback. Always a pleasure to have you join us. Hope you have a, gr- a big week in Spain. Um, all Enjoy right. the coast, so, Tom. Yes. Please I'm, I'm very jealous of Tom. that also. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, Tom. Um, <laughs> So let's, Greg and Corinne, we'll start to wrap here. What a great hour. Uh, great guests, great news stories, some interesting developments. Love y'all's take, some spicy take, as James Malley put it. Um, as we, If you were to share one final thought, and, and before I you know, think about that for a second, because there's so much to choose from, so little time, I do want to uh, drop this link in the chat, uh, the latest edition of With That Said, which is our LinkedIn newsletter. Uh, went out on Saturday. I think that was our our fifth or sixth edition. We've only been doing it for about a month and some change. Over 15,000 subscribers. Wow. So folks, be like the cool kids out there. Uh, check that out. Subscribe if you are, are so inclined. And hey, comment. Just like we were talking earlier on Greg's supply chain commentaries. That's some of the best part. The comments and the conversations that are that are in the, in, in the comments of those uh, regular pu- publications. So y'all check out the link. We'll make it easy for you there. Um, Corinne, let's start with you. Final thought. Uh, Tech Talk moves right along. Uh, of course, folks can get Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Uh, your final thought you want to leave with our listeners here, Corinne? My, my final thought is there are challenges. There are shortages. We're all feeling pressure, but it is a great time to be in supply chain. So never before has there been such an opportunity for each and every one of us to have a great impact on our businesses. So keep tuning in here, subscribe to Tech Talk, and let's share what's working. Well said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Share, talk about it, all drive change together. Um, always opportunities. Uh, Greg, your final thought here on September 26th version of Supply Chain Buzz. Oh, you're marking the date because of what I said earlier. Noted. <laughs> yeah. you caught me. You caught me. <laughs> checking the stock prices stock so. prices and oil prices yeah please hold me accountable on that um and i hope i'm wrong uh, or right i'm hope i hope i'm right on the price wrong on the crushing other other uh, right but um but it is uh, so i think an important adjunct to what corinne said um this is a great time to be in supply chain the world finally recognizes that business is is delivered through supply chain and most importantly brand equity right um, most importantly is the reputation of your business and the more companies that recognize that supply chain is key to their reputation and work back from that into reinforcing their supply chain so they can deliver at least 
their trademark on all of their products, right? But certainly can deliver what their their consumers uh, require, the, the better off we'll be. It is getting ugly and it's going to get uglier and it's going to be ugly for some years. Let's face it. I'm not running for office, so I don't have to candy coat it. But I want you to understand that none of this means the end of the world. I talk to so many people who think every crisis is the end of the world. None of this means the end of the world. The economies will slow down globally, you know, at varying rates. Um, recession is already here, though we probably won't admit it until the end of the year. Um, and it's inevitable to get deeper. Um, inflation will not be cut by the end of the year because of what the Fed is doing. And I think all of us in supply chain know that it, it has more to do with the constriction of the supply chain than it does with monetary policy at this point. But they'll, you know, they'll, you know, anyway, all of these things are going to happen, but they will correct themselves. They have corrected themselves in the past. We had a huge and very long recession at, in, at and, you know, when uh, the dot-com bust happened again in 2008, we're due for another one. People will survive this and we'll all come out of it stronger on the other side. Hold cash, right? Don't stop investing, continue to invest in your companies, continue to invest in other companies, be really smart and make sure those companies are valuable, right? That have real value. Um, because the day of, um, un, what is, what is it? Un, un whatever it is, unwise uh, exuberance. <laughs> it's over for the next few years, at least. So I was trying, I was trying to do quality. my Greg White. <laughs> And, and count off well, your you know uh, what? Uh, doctor. Doctor Rhonda said something about her her meandering statement earlier, so I'm going to deliver one so she can feel better about hers. But anyway, <laughs> we all the point is there is abundance in the universe, and that this too shall pass. But it is going to be rough. So so batten down the hatches, prepare yourself, and uh, just be ready to come out stronger on the other side. Yes. Whenever I hear this too shall pass, it reminds me of one of our favorite phrases. It may pass like a kidney stone, but this too shall oh, pass. Yeah. So, um, like all right. So Greg and Corinne, great episode of Supply Chain Buzz. Thanks uh, to Corinne Bursa, host of Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast for joining us here today. Thank you, Corinne. Thank you. And Greg White, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, I think we've got to sit in for you. No, not next week. I guess it's the 10th of October. Because you've got some internet, some some travels uh, as you take the gospel of Greg White out on the road, right? That's right. I have some travels. That's um, un unless you consider screaming at a football field gospel. <laughs> it's not really <laughs> all gospel, but yes. it depends on what part of the country I think. Yeah. But, uh, but hey, uh, Greg, always a pleasure uh, conducting the supply chain buzz with you, uh, folks. Thanks for all the great comments. I know we couldn't get to all of them. Y'all keep that coming. Lean into all the, the market conditions that Corinne and Greg have been describing here. Uh, we're going to get through it. It's, it's going to be painful at times, but uh, the world is certainly not ending. Big thanks to James Malley for joining us here today. Folks, check out Packard because it takes innovative and entrepreneurial thinking like that to get through these challenging times for sure. Uh, big thanks to production team. Uh, Always a pleasure. Thanks for what y'all do for us here at Supply Chain Now. Uh, as we wrap here today, big shout out again to Dave Krejci uh, Foundation. Uh, talk about organizations just doing wonderful work out there for folks in need. We all we got to be more like them, right? 
I've got to be more like uh, Donna and Allison and Matt, all with the Dave Krejci Foundation. And on, along those lines, as we wrap here today, Scott Luton challenging all of our listeners, hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.